Morning, diners and travelers. You're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig, and today we bring you a spicy program. Hope you enjoy spices. Our first guest is actually, um, well, we're not surprised surprised to associate Indian food with good spices. Uh, Our first guest, Harneet Bawaja, is the author of a book and the owner of a restaurant, uh, the same name, Gunpowder, that's the book and the restaurant. And um, uh, it's, I mean, is there, is she's, she's really interesting in bringing it all home together about uh, little secrets, signature spice mix, um, the modernizing of family recipes. It's a it's a good read, and the recipes are delicious. And, and just in case you're wondering, those those of you who are smart and know your British history, and know about Guy Fawkes and Gunpowder Treason and Plot, this is this has nothing to do with it. Well, you know, we've been getting a, a lot of books on the subject of Indian cuisine. Uh, we're going to be yes, yeah, so well, Harneet. Bawija, right? Yes, ma'am. Uh, along with your wife, Davina Seth, and your head yes. chef, Normal, Normal Sabe. Yes. Anyhow, but you, you have, what you're bringing here is the recipes from your restaurant called Gunpowder in London, yes, uh, subtitled mm-hmm. Explosive Flavors from Modern India. And yes. it's, it differs in the sense that it's, about home cooking, which is, well, I understand that's the real Indian food, right? Uh, we try to be as as true to flavors and spices as we can. Um, you'll see in the book that there is no substitute for authenticity. What we've tried to do, though, very much is adapt to produce that's available locally uh-huh. here. Yes. Uh, we find that... Uh, any kind of food should be fresh and local. Restaurants are a local business. We're a local business. We're a neighborhood restaurant. And we try to aim to work with as many farmers and butchers as we can locally. Uh, now, I don't mean within one square mile, but anything that can be bought fresh to the restaurant every day rather than frozen and packaged. Mm-hmm. Right now, that, that, now there's a very famous street of Indian restaurants in London called Brick Lane. Now, are, are you yes. in that, are you in that general vicinity? We're quite close to Brick Lane, actually. It's, I'm glad you mentioned it. Brick Lane, um, it's, it's, it's got its own wonderfully rich history. Of course, everybody has their own view on how it should how it should be interpreted, but. Um, it, Brick Lane essentially began, or always has been, where immigrants first landed in London. So, in the 80s, I think, uh, uh, when uh, Bangladesh attained its freedom, uh, UK supported uh, uh, or opened its doors to people that wanted to immigrate from there, bringing in a lot of uh, Bangladeshis at a particular point of time. I think some of them to preserve their culture, feed themselves, or, or even for pure commerce reasons, opened up uh, what today is known as curry houses. Yes. Uh, which, in all fairness, is, is considered the national dish of the UK. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, they definitely, um, I think they definitely served a purpose and still do. Um, and, and they've stuck to their guns of being the same for the last 15, 20 years. Uh, have you been ever to Brick Lane? We, we, we actually have, we have been there. We have never dined at Brick Lane. We have, we have, <laughs> yes. actually, we've, we have actually Didn't walked. We take um, Gideon there. No, we've walked, we've walked down the street called Brick Lane. Yes. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think we did, but. I thought we did. We might have. Uh, I think you're right, but a lot of a lot of these so-called uh, curry houses, curry houses have are now. Of course, the area is quite clo- is is pretty much central London, so it, it has uh, 
gone through its own uh, transition with a lot of other cuisines now coming in. You have you have Turkish authentic pizza shops. You have uh, sushi. You have Greek food. Uh, you have the old Jewish delis. Uh, so there has been it has evolved as a street on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good to see and and you know as in. Food tells its own story because you could see when, when the, as much as the UK or, or London open its arms for, for people, as in you've seen the change in the cuisine or or the evolution of food on Brick Lane. I see. Now, um, you, I say that Indian cuisine is having a big moment right now. But um, I should clarify that you mentioned, um, referred to it as this. I mean, when we're talking about Indian cuisine, we're talking about a very large and very diverse country. So there's no one um, Indian cuisine, Indian right? Cu- I, I think you're very right in, in saying that. As a landmass, I think we're, if I'm not, uh, if I'm correct, I think we're the seventh largest country in the world. So it's it's like pretty much most of Europe in terms of land size. So you don't go into the continent and say, "Oh, we're just going to eat European food." Exactly. You're gonna <laughs> eat, yeah, you're going to eat French food. You're going to eat Spanish. You're going to eat Greek. You're going to you're going to eat Portuguese food. And every cuisine is 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 influenced by its geography as much as its economy. Um, I think in the is so diverse as a country. The food that you get on the southern tip, which has this massive coastline, is so different from a landlocked uh, food from the landlocked north. You know, where uh-huh. it's mostly meat-driven or um, it, it's food from the soil, whereas food in the south is food from the sea. Right. Of course, uh, there's borrowed interpretations everywhere, but uh, I don't think I could put it in in one in in one sort of genre, like you rightly pointed out earlier, like you call it just plain Indian food. Right. Well, now, the, the, the name of your restaurant itself is, shall we say, a li- at least a little bit intriguing. Can you explain? It's a mix, um, spice mixture, Robert. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> you can make it. He has it in his list of his spice glossary. Yes, it is. So... Um, it's a spice mix that's predominantly used towards the south, southwest, where it's used in day-to-day cooking to lift the food. It doesn't really uh, change the way the food tastes, but because of the fact that it's got lentils, rice, uh, uh, whole chilies, it adds a, uh, another depth to the flavor. Yes. Sure, right. So it's, it's like a third or a fourth or even a fifth dimension. Yes, possibly, because I think that Indian food is all food from India or different regions in India is quite complex. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, I love, I mean, everybody comes out with a uh, an ingredient glossary, and especially important in Indian cooking, you list a spice, you include a spice glossary. Uh, and yes. what I loved about this was you don't just define the term you really explain it. Um, what was the one that I was really interested? Oh, the, the, your discussion of uh, garam masala. I yes. mean, you, you say the word garam refers to heating the body in the Ayurvedic sense of the word, while the composition of uh, garam masala differs regionally across the Indian subcontinent. Um, each yes. blend is believed to elevate body temperature. Now, I've I've known that term for a gazillion years, but I never knew that it meant that. <laughs> so you actually you you don't just define this stuff. I mean, you actually describe what why it's important and what it does to to you, how it performs. Absolutely, I think uh, it's it's quite. We always sort of think spices are just there to stimulate your mouth. It's actually to stimulate your body. Um, 
you eat spices or, or people from the subcontinent, we've eaten spices because they they either have a healing property or they help you cope with the outside environment in that region. Either it's too hot or too... Like Kashmiri food in the north is a lot more... heats the body a lot more because the outside temperature is always very cold. Oh, yes. Where, whereas food from, from where I grew up is more about steamed fish, mustard seeds. Um, so these spices sort of don't have their own heat. They don't really heat the body very much. It's more about in your mouth. And the same way garam masala, which is which is a hot spice mix, loosely translated, yeah, essentially every household has its own version. Every mother, every grandmother has hers. Now, and I want, I want, <laughs> hold, hold on, Anita. I want to, I want to ask Anna a question. Because yes, we we met we met someone at, at the fancy food show one year who made spice okay. mixes, and yeah. she yeah. and yeah. she used she used her grandmother or her great grandmother's oh, yeah, stone for, to create to create the grind, the ground spices. She had a grinding wheel that had been in her family for several generations, and I think if I'm correct, her ethnic heritage was actually uh, the the Guinea that's in. South Africa, I mean South America, rather than the Guinea that's in Africa, and it didn't have anything to do with India at all. Um, and I, I think that Indian culture has been transported to to a lot of continents. I think we we as as a people really have traveled the world. I don't see a country that you go to and not see a person of Indian origin, whether it's Africa, whether it's South America, whether it's uh, Europe. Uh, take Kenya, for example. I, I, I went there once, and I was totally startled by the number of Indian people that were there, or people of Indian origin. Um, they look like me, but they they spoke like local people. And they've, been, they've been there for generations. Uh, I think that comes from the fact that as, as a people, we're quite... Uh, Frugal and commerce-oriented. Mm-hmm. We've always, we've always tried to survive because we are a lot of people. Oh yes, populous. Well, well, yeah. well, there are a lot, there are a lot of Indians in Fiji as well. Oh yes, but but the but the closest Indian to us is our neighbour. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. Our, there our, you go. Our neighbour, our neighbour is a is a graduate student in computer science. Yeah. Getting a getting a PhD at a local university, and uh, he he has two children. One 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 came with him, and the, the second one was born right here, right next door to us. <laughs> wow! Yeah, yeah, now back to the spices. You have I thought I knew all these spices because I've read a lot of Indian cookbooks and and eaten a lot of Indian restaurants. But you have things listed here that I never heard of: stone flour. And that's spelled yeah. F-L-O-W-E-R. It's not F-L-O-U-R. It's like flower. Yes, yeah. yeah, so it comes out of a flower. Yeah, I mean, there, there's just so many different things that are not common. Um, I didn't know you could get dried pomegranates. Uh, what They're not called seeds. What are they called? Yeah, I, I think that we're, we're quite... Uh, being so commerce-oriented, I think trade... And trading of spices has always been uh, something that that has flourished via India or via South America or Spain. Any real warm country has always been, you know, you've had the trade route, the spice route, and the, and and you've had the Portuguese come to India, the the Dutch come to India, the the French, the the British, I think they all came to trade spices and gold and things like that. So, and people traveling more and more and trying authentic things. The normal consumer today is very well-traveled. And mm-hmm. when they are so well-traveled, I think they discover these things. We, close to London, we have someone that's growing authentic Thai recipes in a greenhouse. So that Thai food has a, has a punch to it. It's, it's local. It's, it's not even half an hour from London and you get you get these people that are growing spices that you would probably get in the subcontinent. Right. 
so I think that it's it's time the world just acknowledged the spices there, tried it. If it works for them, they should. So I think we're losing. I think we're losing you. Um, Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Now you back to your book. You organize it um, in small plates, um, which is a common composition of an Indian meal, a bunch of s- small plates on the table, uh, big plates which uh, you associate primarily with um, larger celebrations, uh, yes. sweet plates and drinks, and you say that the, the uh, Indians have a real palate for sweets, and then sides and spice. Um, so and, and when we go into these different chapters um there's uh, there's a um headnotes explain whose recipe where it came from uh you have sort of notes on reminiscing about what you ate as a child it's it's interesting as a reading as almost a, a sociological study of a, a piece of indian history no, I mean, I guess that's not a question, is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, but you're quite right in, in, in your in your deduction or in your thought process. I think that you're quite you're quite correct, and uh, you're, you're absolutely right saying it the way you put it. Right now, I mean, you you have kale and corn cakes. Has kale always been popular in India? Uh, I think, like I tried to point out very much in the beginning, we try and work with what we can get locally. We uh-huh. find that people eat more kale here than in India. I see. There is, okay. There is some parts in the north where where a, where a strain or the sister sister leaf or the sister herb is available, but what we've tried to do is we've tried to be authentic with techniques of cooking and spice levels, but we've been very honest about what we can get fresh. What I need to put in my body should come from my neighboring surroundings rather than from frozen from South America just because I need the best fish or I need to have this exotic item. Yeah. Go ahead, please. No, no, please tell me. T- t- two ingredients I, re- I remember that I've, I was surprised to find in Indian food. One is potatoes. And and the other is what we're going to have for dinner tonight, which is liver. Ah, yes, like the Chinese, we don't waste much. Huh? So <laughs> we love uh, we love sweet bread, livers, things like that. I I know my dad. Even now, I think his favorite breakfast is the leftovers from a chicken, which is liver. Uh, what we call the porta, a, a, a couple of sweet breads, glands that you mix together and chop up with potatoes with some some slow-cooked onions and tomato in the morning, and he absolutely loves it with, with toast, <laughs> to be fair. Well, I, I remember we had we had liver at Amaya, which, yes. is, an, which, yeah. is, which is another of the uh, Chutney Mary restaurants. Yes. And, we, and I'm sure you enjoyed it. It was, oh, yeah. it was, it was, absolutely, loves it. It was absolutely delicious. I, I, I love it. I was, ra- I was raised on it, although it wasn't nearly as well spiced as it is in your book. <laughs> no, I... I no, I think I, 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 the Amaya people again, the Chutney Mary Maya people always do a great job. So do a, a few other other people. Next time you come, you must try a few other other establishments, including ours. We'd love it. We've got a new restaurant now that's slightly bigger than the tiny twenty seater one that we originally had. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. What's, which it, is, what's it called? It's called Gunpowder as well, and it opens. It opens next week, to be honest. So we're we're quite ha- we're quite excited about it. And oh, good. next time you're down, we'd love to feed you some more. Now, where <laughs> are you? The new restaurant. Uh, it's it's in the London Bridge Tower Bridge area. Oh wow! Oh okay. Wow, that's a that's, that's a, moving up there. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's, yeah, it that's a good area. That's be, that's a good area. It's high rent. Yes, it is. I imagine it it's is, a high rent uh, area. No. It's a uh, the Tower Bridge is a beautiful bridge. Um, We've got quite a few offices in the area and some residential. Uh, and we expect to be a local restaurant here feeding everybody who, who would want to be fed by us. 
Right. Well, we'll we'll be among those when when we're making our next arrangements to go over. We'll give you plenty of notice. And, oh, that uh, would be wonderful if you would come. Yeah. And we we hope it's of course tremendously successful, as we're, as we're sure it will be. And uh, well, that's very kind of you to say. And and, and listeners, this is a this is a beautiful book. Yeah, the uh, photography of each. Photograph looks like a, a an oil painter's still life in its arrangement, precise positioning of all the the, the ingredients. As, as, as much as I like to take credit for it, I think Peter Cassidy has the credit for that. He's very good. He, he is a, he is a very talented photographer. Yes, and we loved working with him uh, on this book. He has he has an interesting way of working, and he quite enjoyed it. Well now, well, now we know you have a full restaurant because yes. you told us that. So, so, so why why don't we let you go back 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 to work, feeding some more hungry patrons, and uh, and we we'll look forward to connecting with you ourselves. Hope hopefully before too long passes. Uh, that would be wonderful. I look forward to hearing from both of you again. And feeding you even sooner. That would be great. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you, sir. And we'll be back with more Spicy Indian right after the break. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Welcome back. Um, we're going to move from um, a restaurant in London to a, um, a food truck in Vermont with our next guest. Um, the food is still Indian, however, and in fact is probably the most popular street food in India, and it's obviously cross, cross the Atlantic as well. Um, the book is entitled Dosa Kitchen, and Dosa is the street food I'm talking about. Um, this This is a a book that everybody's going to want to know about because you can endless varieties of, of stuffed breads. And and the the uh, author the author of the book and the the leader of the team, together with his wife, is from Hyderabad, in southern India. So well, he is yeah, yeah. Patel. Well, I, I said but, him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then Lida, Sean. Tob. <laughs> Shine Tob. You did I got that, it. You did that well. I, I know. Okay. Anyhow, um, they're the team that brings us this. Yeah, let's, let's, go, let's, let's go to truck. the audio before we get into any more trouble. Okay. <laughs> well, we have half of the team for um, the Dose of Kitchen, which is a, a food truck in Vermont. The, co- the book that, that we're talking about was co-written by Nash Patel and his wife, Lida Shantope, right? That's right. Anyhow. Um, Nash is out making doses at the truck, so I'll be speaking for both of us. Okay. All right. And, um, yeah, I mean, I read the, the introduction and how you got – I mean, Nash is actually many different cultural influences, right? Yes. I mean, it sounds like a, <laughs> a U.N. assembly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes, well, he's Anglo-Indian, so he has a mix of of Indian, uh, British, a little bit of Dutch, a little bit of Parsi, and uh, yeah, he's he's a mix, and he's actually he's Roman Catholic, which is very, very different. Oh, that's unusual. India. Yeah. Does he play? So, does he play cricket? <laughs> a little bit. He loves it. He, good, good. He, we don't have a lot of Indian friends here, but he has a couple that he plays with once in a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> We need to introduce it to more people. Yeah, I think England was just bashing the Australians in one-day cricket while we were in Spain, and I, ne- I never caught up on all the scores. Oh. They, they, don't, they don't like cricket in Spain. <laughs> I, I <laughs> guess they sure pro- like soccer. They're probably not too crazy about cricket in Vermont either. It's not too big, but we have an Indian friend, actually, who he introduced it to his workplace, and he has a little thing going there. 
And I'll tell you, that, as far as I'm concerned, I've spent my time at cricket matches, believe me. <laughs> you have to have a lot of patience. <laughs> I n- yeah. I never took you to one. Who took you to one? You did. Must have been your Colombian boyfriend no. or something. <laughs> I, never, I never took you to a cricket you match. You did, because it lasted three days. And when I, you, you let me go home. It was in Australia. Yep. Anyhow, let's get back to Dosa Kitchen, the name of your book, subtitled... Recipes for India's favorite street food. Now, I found that, I mean, I thought I knew about all this stuff, and I found new information that you provided. It's a very informative book. I'm glad to hear that. Yes, and I, you know me, I love to, uh, I love reading through this section called Setting Up Your Dose of Kitchen, because there are all these little tidbits about this traditional seasonings and techniques that I thought I knew about, but I really didn't. You you smashed the myths here. What what are some things that you learned? Um, well, I mean, first of all, this um, the, what's this called? Um, I don't have my glasses on. The um, this blend that's a chaff marsala. Uh huh. I didn't realize it was you know a, a, a thing, one thing, but there's no recipe for it. No, it's something you would buy in the store. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, we've never made it because it's just available and it's all natural ingredients and based on black salt. So it has a sulfury kind of salty flavor. Mm-hmm. And I've never, ever used asafoetida. Uh-huh. But I guess that's part yeah, of it. It sounds kind of rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's an important ingredient for a lot of people who don't eat onions. There are a lot of people in India who don't eat onions. and so. But it's also everybody eats it. You, you add just a tiny bit to oil to, to get the flavor out. When you smell it at first, it smells really sulfury, and you don't think you're really going to want to eat it. But then when you cook it in oil, it has a, a really delicious flavor. Well, of course, you call this tempering spices, right? Yeah. So explain Tem- that. I mean, first of all, don't even think, according to the book here, uh, the reader or the listener should not even think of, of trying to temper their spices in olive oil. That really kills the whole thing, doesn't it? Yeah, that would make the olive oil pretty unhealthy because it would it raise it to the could raise it to the smoke point, so you wouldn't want that. <clears throat> and so we use uh, organic sunflower oil. You could use coconut oil also. That's really nice. Yeah. We avoid canola oil because we don't find it to be a healthy oil. Um, so so tempering it has nothing to do with chocolate in Indian food. It's you're heating the spices in sizzling oil, which releases their aroma and creates level, levels of flavor that you add to your dish. So you'll be cooking a curry a curry dish, and then the tempering is off in the final stage. So you cook your, your chickpeas and your tomatoes and your coconut milk or something like that. And then on the side, you heat oil to a high temperature, and then you add the, the spices one by one, and it's pretty exciting and dramatic. Um, you really want to get it hot. So you you want it, the sides of the pan to be a little bit high so you don't get oil flirting around. Yeah, well, um, I've had seeds pop out of the skillet, too. Yeah, yeah, that could happen. So I would use a, a pot rather than a skillet. Um, and if you, if it seems like there anything's going to pop out, you can put the lid on. Uh-huh. Um, so mustard seeds, cumin seeds, oh, dry red chili. Mustard really pops, I know. Yeah, the mustard seeds are the biggest popper. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the the main tempering spices, and curry leaves also. Yes, I mean I never understood curry leaves. I had in my herb garden, I had a plant called curry leaf. I bought it with a sign on it, and um, my my friend who's um, uh, was experienced in, in that Southeast Asia cuisine said it was not. Well, it wasn't curry leaf at all. It wasn't curry leaf at all. It was, it was fake, tasted well, like curry fake curry leaf. Curry leaf. Tasted like, like curry. Bogus. Well, curry leaves, yeah, they, they don't taste like curry. So they have a, a they're a little bit smaller than bay leaves, bay leaves, but they don't taste like them. Um, they're slightly bitter, uh, very slightly bitter, pungent, and a slight citrus flavor. Mm-hmm. And it, it adds a, a, a level of flavor to dishes that... Uh, if you can't find them, you can omit them from a recipe, but it really gives, it really pulls things together in a dish. So there are, we talk about in the book, there's curry, 
curry powder and curry leaves. So a curry we would call a um, a dish like a chicken curry, and then the curry powder is a spice mix, which actually we don't really use in South Indian cooking. Um, it's more of a right a, an outsider kind of a British or American kind of thing that that tends to go into dishes outside of India. Yeah, a lot of people and, don't even know the difference between north and south because, um, I mean, I know I was in where we're living. I was um, impressed with all the all the restaurants were North Indian, all of them. And then the, the one uh, he was a gastroenterologist who was Indian opened a, a South Indian restaurant, and uh-huh. I saw this big difference. I mean, a totally huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, so North Indian, it tends to be um, most of the restaurants are North Indian. Right. Why is that, do you know? Well, North India is so much bigger. There's just so much uh-huh. more territory, so I guess that's one reason. And also, um, the I, I guess that's the main reason. But if you go into an Indian restaurant, it, unless it says South Indian, it's typically going to be North Indian. And those are the dishes that tend to have more cream in them and less spicy, and they use delicious breads and uh-huh. wheat-based breads. And the the chutneys tend to be sweet, like the mango chutney that many of us are familiar with. Uh-huh. Uh, and the South Indian, less cream, more spicy, and uh, a lot of rice. And dishes made with rice, such as the dosa. Uh-huh. And also the chutneys are mostly savory. So in our book we have coconut chutney, we have peanut chutney, we have the green chutney, tomato chutney. So all the the chutneys are are savory and all the chutneys we serve at our our Dosa Kitchen food truck, they're they're savory. It's very nice that that your illustration, uh, actually people can see what all these spices look like. They're photographs. Yeah, we really found that to be an important thing to add to the book, to have pictures of each one. So if you go to an Indian grocery store, you can just bring the book with you and show them to the to the, the shopkeeper. And I've, I found, I've wished I'd had that in some other books because it can be a little confusing knowing what to get, and especially because some ingredients have more than one name. Right. So. Uh, I mean, I, I actually probably... Didn't know what jaggery was actually. Also, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, and that yeah. that's sort of imprecisely defined in, in a lot of books. Yeah, India's version of uh, unrefined brown sugar. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about. Um, you have a section called "How to Use This Book," mm-hmm. and so uh, that's a major difference. Is that you organize the book by. Um, food types, right? Right. Um, so that's, that defines how you're doing this. It's not a typical, you know, um, you know meal arrangement here. Yeah. But, but you know, we're talking about, um, I, you, you go in at length on the dough itself for, mm-hmm. for this. And it seems like a major, it is fermented dough, isn't it? It is, yeah. And so it's a major project producing it, no? Well, it can be at first, and but once you get used to doing it, it becomes pretty streamlined. And um, I should—I probably should say what a dosa is, in case folks don't know at this point. It's a yeah. It's that, a, that's a good idea. I was going <laughs> to open with that one and then forgot. <laughs> it's so it's a light crisp crepe, and it's made of rice and lentils, and it's it's fermented, so it has a slight sourdough kind of taste, and. If you've had a dosa or have seen a dosa, um, you you probably would have seen the the thin dosa, which is um, thin and crispy, and it's usually like at least eighteen inches long, and it's very dramatic looking. And that's that's we call that the classic dosa in the book. And there's also another dosa, which is just as classic, but it's called an utapam, U T T A P A M. And that's a pancake-style dosa, and that's often served as a snack with onions and chilies. And that's a that's a dosa that's a good one to get started with. The pancake, because it's similar to 
the thickness of an American-style pancake. Yeah, so, well, I mean, some the the larger ones seem to be a little bit overstated. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I would have anything that would. Um, of course, you you recommend buying a particular um, piece of equipment to deal with this. Yeah, we recommend a ten and a half to eleven inch um, crepe pan or low sided skillet. Lodge and Stove both make really good products, and um, that's how you can make them at home. So you can make a thick one, a, a smaller thick one, or a smaller thin one at home. If you have uh, electric griddle, you can make thicker. Yeah, yeah. We, I'm losing your the, I'm losing your sound from time to time. You're breaking up here. Oh, sorry. Uh, at our food truck, we have a griddle, a large griddle, so we can make the doses, and we we can make them up to 32 inches. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's we call that the family style dosa. And then you cut them up, just just sell them, or what? Uh, well, that's the family style dosa. So that one is comes as is, and and people just share it. Uh, three or four people can share it. So, so, sort of like a giant pizza, from a from a from a consumption standpoint. Yeah, except that we roll it up. I see. Now, it, something about this, you actually expect the, the home cook to make sauerkraut to do the sauerkraut dosa. Well, they, <laughs> if they want to eat it, they they can make it. But they could take a shortcut and buy some pre-made sauerkraut and add all the spices that we that we recommend in the recipe so it's uh you can't buy masala sauerkraut in the store so and sauerkraut's not a a typical or traditional indian ferment (laughs) so so it's our own invention but you could you could get sauerkraut from from the store we recommend getting naturally fermented sauerkraut and add cumin seeds fennel seeds coriander seeds black mustard seeds and um, a couple of other things, and some turmeric, and just mix it in there, and that would be fine too. Well, you got to get if you're Anne, you got to have some turmeric. She's, oh yeah, I mean, I put it in everything. She's, <laughs> she's, yeah. she's in love with turmeric, and even putting it in her green tea. Green tea with turmeric and black ground, fresh ground black pepper. It's mm, my nice. staple. Yeah, fresh turmeric, the root. You know. uh-huh. So, um, except it really does a number on your teeth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're orange. But anyhow, um, you were talking about classic doses. You have a lot of recipes in, in this book that are certainly not traditional and not classical by any means. Yes, that's true. We have, uh, we have traditional dishes from Nash's background, from his Anglo-Indian background, such as the ginger chili beef fry, um, that's an old family staple that goes back to Nash's great grandparents' day, and then we have some chicken, different chicken curries, um, and we have some dishes from Kerala where we visited and fell in love with the food, which is on, on a coastal state, and there's a lot of coconut and fish there, and we have a fish curry from there, and so then we. Combined our culinary backgrounds yeah. to come up with <laughs> with some unique takes on the dosa. Uh, so there's the falafel dosa, which is something we've we've been serving at our food truck for a long time. It's made from nuts and seeds, so it's not not a chickpea falafel. So we don't have to fry it, and it tastes just like chickpea falafel. And we we serve that at our truck, and we also have the dosa dog. Yeah, and the dosa dog. I couldn't believe the photograph of that one. I thought, holy mess. <laughs> and, and you have dosa monsieur. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so we like to have fun with it. And we like to say anything you could put between two slices of bread, you could wrap into exactly. a dosa. Yeah. So there, you could do just anything, just about with the dosa. Yeah, well, your, your Jewish background comes out here, right? Yeah. Uh, cream cheese, lox, and caper dosa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never actually had that growing up because I grew up vegetarian. Uh, I'm not now. But there is the dosa bride. Yeah, yeah, I was just looking at that dosa bride. <laughs> I stopped on that one. It caught my attention right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's broken up pieces of dosa soaked in egg and cooked. And it's just like... What my mom used to make for me, except with not with matzah, yeah. um, and yeah. then we do a 
a dose of blintz. We make really small, thin doses. And instead of the farmer cheese, the sweetened farmer cheese that is typically used in blintzes, we put in sweetened paneer, the Indian fresh cheese. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I mean, I'm reading all the... Oh, you, have, you have all kinds of cross-culture. Here's a, a dosa yaki with scallion tamari dipping sauce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit wild. <laughs> yeah. I wish that, that photo didn't make it into the book. It's a really cool photo. That was a cool photo. So how long, so how long is the line at the truck? Uh, it depends when you come. Um, since... Since the book came out, and we've been getting some nice press, local press, it's been getting really, really crowded, and the lines have been long. I, it's a little deceptive because you, you place your order, and then you go sit down, and it take, then the line is, is like, inside. There's a, a bunch of tickets because each dosa is made to order, so it, it takes some time for each order. I mean, how many of these do you have on the menu at any one time for the truck? We have... Um, a standard, our standard menu is we have a, a chicken curry, so that changes every day depending on what Nash feels like making or what's in season, what other ingredients are in season. Um, then we have the masala dosa, which is the classic spiced Indian spiced, Indian spiced mashed potato dosa, and that's that's the classic dosa. Yeah, like South is, Indians yeah. will call that dosa masala dosa, and and that one is actually it's on one of. It's one of ten foods to try before you die, according to the Huffington Post. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so we always have that on our menu. Any Indian who comes through, they will want to order that. You and said it was sort of it's a destination dining food truck. Yeah. And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we worked really hard to create a following. And we get there's a lot of tourists come into Vermont and uh, coming from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and the it's Indian people in particular, they they stay true to their food, and they're always looking up what Indian eateries are, are nearby. Really? So, yeah. So we get oh. a lot of Indian customers. Now, for, of course, Vermont is like at the epicenter of, of artisanal food, top to bottom, I decided. Most of our <laughs> guests, I think, are from Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, that's cool. And, and you do have drinks, and the, some of them are fairly unusual. I think Peter will want this one, the Can G, salty yeah, con- probiotic. Con- what is it? Yeah. Beet shot. Beet shot. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing drink. It comes from the Punjab region of India, so not the south, but we, we love it, so we put it on the menu. How do you it's pronounce it? Kanji. Yeah, I did that. Didn't yeah. I? Okay. So I, it's I, I, fermented... Beets and carrots, and we chop them, chop them up, and we add water, salt, and mustard seeds. And you also add some kanji from a previous batch, and that becomes the starter. So okay. if you for your first batch, you can use like pickle juice or or no starter, that would be fine too. And you leave it to ferment for a couple of weeks, and it has a a salty, very tangy taste, and it's just a, it's an instant energizer. I find when people drink it, and I love to watch their faces when they drink really? it because it's the saltiness and the punch of the the f- fermentation is, is amazing. We serve it in small cups, like shots. Yeah, we may have to try that. Yeah, it's really easy to make. The other thing I'm thankful for is we usually have a, a killing crop of tomatillos, and, and so I'm forever, um, you know, because they all come at once, and you have to use them up if it's going to be a freeze. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm always make the uh, a sort of a chutney out of the tomatillos and freeze it so we could use them. Uh-huh. And you have a, a tomatillo chutney because I was forgetting when I put in it from last year. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your recipe sounds really good. Oh, good. That would be fun. Well, I wish you great luck with this book and and with all the attention you're getting. Thank you. Yeah. And, and if folks want to check out the the dosa recipe, um, you, they can go to our website. the The recipe is excerpted from the book there, so the the, the website is is just dosakitchen.com. Dosakitchen.com. Okay. Yeah. All right. We, we better we better jot that down before we forget it. He's telling yeah. me to write it down. That's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think what you should have with doses is kingfisher. What? 
It's Indian beer, dear. Oh. <laughs> Sounds good. That's kitchen. Dot com. Dot com. I got it, yeah. Well, our, our, best, re- our best regards to the non- non-cricketer Indian. <laughs> and uh, we, as, as Anne said, we wish you every success. And I'm sure the world will be the pathway to your door. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Welcome back. We're on the move again. Um, well, we're not actually going to France, but by the name of this product, On Tube, you know that the guy who invented it is French. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a genius product. That every time I taste the, the latest spice paste that they put in tubes and you could just squeeze out, I mean, I can't wait for the next one to come down the pike. Um, so... Uh, let's listen to um, Richard. Richard Lassell, right? Yeah, Richard. I love saying that. And, and, and he's from L.A. these days, but he's from France before that. Right. And, and, and uh, just a little, just a little bit of a packaging genius. Yes. For quite some time now, we've both loved Richard Lassell um, and his I, product. I, I didn't know I loved. Richard Lassell. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you love his end tube. I love his, his product. I love his stuff. Yeah. So, but he's a, he's great fun to talk to also. Okay, go um, ahead. And, and there's such a good story behind the company. Uh, and I guess we're checking back with you after an earlier interview because you've added products. But remind us how this whole thing, end tube, got started. I, well, uh, a few years ago, I was... Um in the south of France in Provence where my family lives and uh, we were all having a big get together and I was mixing up my usual sources and uh, mixed up a harissa paste and one of my brothers turned around and said hey Reese, stick it in a tube <laughs> and um, a little light bulb went off in my head and I thought you know what I'm going to do that let's, <laughs> let's do that and uh, that's kind of the inspiration of where it came from wow. I, mean, I mean after all everybody wants highly flavoured toothpaste <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Multiple, multiple purpose uh, condiments. Well, now tell us, go through how many of these you have now, your condiment so, paste. So we started with the uh, Harissa, which we, uh, you know, in our first year we got our Sophie Award for, which was very exciting, kind of kick-started us. Then we uh, introduced a, a quintessential curry paste. Yeah, we just used that the other day. Yeah, which is, um, I mean, it's super flexible product where yeah. you can add it to pretty much anything and you've got a suddenly got a gourmet meal going on um, and then uh, last year we launched a, a mole a, a cocoa tamarind uh, mole inspired from uh, a trip to Oaxaca Mexico um, okay we tried we tried that not too long ago yeah we did with the chicken was good yeah, very good. Right, exactly. Yeah, and the, the idea there is we have a, a concentrated mole flavor um, without the nuts. Uh-huh. Um, so people who are that, not allergic can use it too. Well, that, that uh, but in addition, uh, when you buy traditional buy mole, it's, it's so much of it is nuts that it's, uh, you use end up using quite a lot amount uh-huh. of, of product to get your dish. So. Yeah, with do. the concentrated version, we can use, you know, just a couple of tablespoons and you've got yourself a pretty delicious exactly. and style meal. Um, so that was really exciting. All natural, all good, of course. And um, I used to make mine all... from scratch. It took forever. Yeah. <laughs> I went through this whole thing and my, <laughs> my friend who was coming for dinner said, I hate chocolate. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that most people don't cook mole because they have the same thing. So you've got 21 spices and you've got to grind it all up and it takes hours and hours. So this is a a pretty good shortcut to a pretty uh, sophisticated flavor. It is. It's very good. And Uh, and then the latest one is umeboshi. Yeah, and then we have the the umeboshi, Japanese umeboshi, which is we get from Osaka in Japan. We get the umeboshis and we add a little... um, 
beetroot to it to give it a lovely pink color oh, and pretty. just a dash of sweetness and uh, just a little hint of cayenne just to give it a little kick at the end um yeah the umiboshi is uh, also um an amazing alkaline balancer i don't know if you know that but yeah the, the japanese they use it every day as a as part of their diet to balance their digestion and acidity in their body and everything so it's a pretty spectacular uh dare i say superfood uh-huh. um well you, well, you, ma- you mentioned right. you mentioned in your paperwork about it that it's a great hangover cure too yeah totally <laughs> totally good I, I take it in the morning i squirt a little bit into a cup of a glass of hot water and just chug it down and uh sets me up for the day oh it's right. good for arthritis actually is it really? Because I don't know. I mean, I have arthritis. But I don't think I can add one thing more. In the morning, I have my McGay cactus sap. Uh, the, oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> what the hell you don't fermented have? Fermented vinegar, pickle juice. What else? Did I have? All those things, right? Yeah. All those things. I exactly. don't know. Yeah. But, uh, so, no, there's something that caught our attention. I mean, I just was dying to ask you this. I mean, people... You now have a little sampler kit for traveling. People really right. carry their their uh, hot sauces and paste with them when they travel. They do. Oh, um, for for hotels in particular, hotel food. Yeah, it's a lifesaver. Um, I've been in many hotels and ordered a you know spaghetti bolognese from the hotel, and it's just kind of bland. And then you put a little bit of harissa or curry or something in that, and it just turns it into a. a, a a lovely event rather than just stuffing your face with hotel food. It turns it into a something delicious, which just brings happiness, you know. Well, I, I, I think I'm going to take the can to my brother at Christmas time. Oh. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, I'll, I'll send you some more so you can you can give them out <laughs> as gifts. That would be, gr- that would be great. Well, he goes on cruises. Yeah, he's yes, always on a cruise. So helping cruise food along is just like, ho- <laughs> just like helping, uh, what is the other thing? Hotel food along. Yeah. Well, no, that, I mean, that was part of the idea of those little tubes, is to make them accessible for all sorts of things. We'd, we had, uh, we've been working with a plated uh, meal company. Yeah. Um, and they ordered quite a few, quite a few hundred thousand of them in the last couple of years. Of, really? Uh, they, yeah. And they go out with their their meal kits. So um, instead, of having the little, instead of having all the little pods of spices, they just put the little on tube in there. Um, and it's been it's been very successful. Yeah, I mean, um, it is. It would be French on tube. I don't know why I was calling it on tube. On tube is right. Um, you know, Richard, you you have so many facets. Um, you say that you come from a family of artists and chefs. You were talking about your recent trips in Spain, where you were actually um, sketching the uh, the. Uh, the mosaic, uh, the pancreator, on, right. and, and so forth, the Byzantine mosaics that um, are pretty universal in Byzantine art. Um, right. So it, it just seems to me that you have that, all that artistic sensitivity and, and talent. Is it a carryover or a natural thing? Is, is there a question coming here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, it, you, no, it, it definitely, I understand where, where you're coming from. Yeah, um, because there's so many, um, I mean, I'm an artist uh, and an art historian and, and, and a food person. Uh, Ruth Reichel yeah. is the same. I could name a whole bunch of people where there's like this total crossover between them. But who was it we just interviewed? Um, was it Massimo? Massimo Bottura said, um, he did not view himself as an artist, although he's a great art collector. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, but anyhow, but he views himself as an artisan instead of an artist. Right. And well, I, you know what? That's kind of a good thing because I've, whenever I've sat down to think, okay, I should stop painting canvases, I'm like, well, I don't have anything to say to anybody else. I'll, I'll paint something for myself. But <laughs> as far as painting something for public display, then ah, not really. So right. what I find with with the food is that I can I can create I can create with food and people can sit down and really enjoy it. I mean throwing dinner parties is a favorite pastime. We used to do that but we got we got we got old and tired. You 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 remember your your great uh, invention that you wanted 
that patent attorney to worry about for you. Oh, my was, tomato paste. This toma- is tomato paste. In, this goes back in, to the 1970s. In little pouches, because everybody knows that if you buy tomato paste, you take one spoonful out of it. I, I researched it. Two spoonfuls that, is the most you ever need of tomato paste, unless you're making um, a pasta with spaghetti sauce. Yeah, well, the tomato paste in a tube is, is huge in Europe. It's, yeah, I, I mean, it's pretty That's, big here, too, yeah. But I was thinking of it in terms of, like, the uh, this is before I was sensitized to the amount of plastic material in our, our dump, our uh, landfills. I was thinking, like, the squeeze-out uh, plastic things in, mm. in the fast food stores is what I was thinking. Now, this is back in the 70s. Oh, uh, right, we have little sachets now. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Pouches. Yeah. Heinz used to call them pouches. Yeah, there's a bunch of different uh, products coming out in, in pouches and pouches with screw lids and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the pouches are quite cost effective, actually. That's that's one of the main reasons they're used. Well, but you know, but came out actually um, through all my uh, patent attorney's research is mm. that. That what we view as terrible waste, like you open a can of tomato paste and, or mm. even a, a large tube of tomato paste, and then it goes and you take two tablespoons and then it gets shoved into the back of the refrigerator. But it I turned out, <laughs> yeah, and but it turns out that the companies that we were that were producing these products wanted waste because they sold more of their product. Yeah, if every, if every right. time you were making spaghetti, you had to buy a new jar of tomato paste. Yes. That, that, that's, well, that's, their, that's, that's their entire that's business the, model. That's the, um, that's the beauty of the tube, though, because it keeps forever. Uh-huh. Oh, so, so I yeah. mean, so, so you, your experience has been that the longevity is really good, huh? Oh, yeah. If you get a, if you get a tube of concentrated tomato puree, mm-hmm. um, you, you, can, you can use it to the last drop. Rather than throwing the jar away, yeah, it's it's very efficient. <laughs> it's obviously not very good for profit margin because, yeah, they, well, see, that's it, you know, yeah. people people spend three or four months to get through a tube rather than you know spending uh, just doing a little bit of a jar then throwing it away and buying another one. So, I mean, from a profit standpoint, it's not very smart, but yeah, from, well, a, that's from an environmental I, standpoint, yeah, it's that's great. What, that's what I, I concluded when we were getting responses to our letters, the only lawyers' letters, to these companies. And I somebody was right. Uh, we opened your letter but did not read it <laughs> because of prior disclosures, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Well, we, we, we have a special shelf in our refrigerator for the untube. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Does it have a, a nice little light behind it? Light it <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a little, little soundtrack of Alleluia. When you <laughs> something, something like that. A coffee pot. We could turn it up. A coffee pot. Okay. But well, plays, plays Ina. What is it? Ina. Hello? What are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. You're, oh. you're waving your microphone around. No, my, no one of my that. earphones, headphones went there. Oh, right. oh, I see. Okay. No, I was just going to say, we have a we have another product coming out in a couple of months. Which I was is just going to ask you about zesty, that. A zesty preserved lemon. Oh, that, I need that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, so you don't have to make your own anymore. I make, no, I love, I, I live for preserved lemons, but the last time I made them, something went wrong with the jar, and I have to go find a new jar of the same size and quality. It's all that well, it's salt. What's, well, it's coming in a, what's it's coming um, in a tube, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, no, what's really nice about the one, the one we have is, um, you know, it's most, the, the best part of a preserved lemon is the skin, obviously, because that's where you get the zesty oils from. Yes. So, so ours is, Ours is just, um, it's a really pure product, and it, it keeps for a long time, A, eh? but it doesn't tend to, you know, preserve lemons in the jar. The longer you keep them, they go browner and browner and more and more mushy. Mm. Um, this stuff keeps, because it's in a sealed unit, it keeps really well, um, and it's super delicious. See, I use the whole thing, but that's me. But I also, do you use organic lemons? Uh, no, that's that's the difficult thing to do. Um, I don't know if you've noticed in the markets these days, but lemons are becoming hard to find. No. Um, but the, organic my wife was lemons. 
Well, my wife was at Whole Foods yesterday, and there was no lemons at all. Oh, wow. Um, That's funny. I wonder why. Even for ready money, yeah? Well, there's... No, there's, um, there's, there's something called the Asian aphid that hit Florida oh, okay. about 10 years ago and okay. pretty much wiped out the Florida lemons. Oh, um, okay. And now it's hit California, and the, the lemon trees are vanishing quickly. Oh, no. Um, so even getting organic lemons is really difficult. Yeah, um, but you know, if you don't, because what you're eating is the rind, and that's where the pesticides settle. Right. On citrus. Well, we, or, we get a... We we get ours from uh, from France actually, mm-hmm. and um, they're they're all na- they're got an all natural status on them, so they're not loaded with pesticides at all. Okay. So so um, they're pretty good. Yeah. Well, I think this is exciting news. Uh, well, we have we have some other things coming down the pipe too. We have a a hot a, a blooming hot English mustard. Oh, oh good, 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 good. You got to have that no, with sausages. That- I mean, yeah, yeah, I know the uh, I know the market's um, pretty saturated with mustard, but this is going to be a special mustard in a tube and pretty natural, all natural, pretty simple. That sounds nice and hot. It sounds great. Now, interestingly enough, I think it was about five years ago, Coleman's, the leg- yeah. legendary British mustard, try, right. tried to bring back the the mustard powder and little tins tins that used to come in that you used right. to. Sort of whip up, whip up with a little water, but they mm-hmm. seem to have seems to have disappeared from the market. So I think that market test must have failed. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a spot in there for you, certainly for hot English mustard for all the purposes that one should want it for, like eating sausages and ham <laughs> and uh, liver yeah, yeah. and stuff it's, like um, that. I've been, I've been. Uh, I think on on the packaging we have it. Um, it goes with everything. Yeah. Yeah, we, well, we love mustard. I, you, you have a million ideas, I'm sure. Yeah, so let, let, just keep us let, posted. Let's get this guy off the phone so he can pack us up a box of <laughs> preserved <laughs> lemons. Preserved lemons and, and, well, there's, and English there's, mustard. There's lots of other exciting things happening too. Which um, far away. Which I, I, there's uh, we're, we're working on a chocolate a chocolate paste. Okay. Which is going to be really exciting to venture into the sort of sweet category. Um, and it's it's going to be a, a high protein, nutrient dense chocolate, <laughs> low sugar. Um, I've been testing it out on my children because really? my, especially my little son who loves Nutella. Yes, so does mine. But I keep thinking every time he takes that Nutella that it's you know sixty eight percent sugar. Yeah, and, and, um, and there's something else know, in it, by the way, that's harmful. They well, they had to twenty five percent palm oil. Yeah. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, and they had to modify the recipe for it or something, but they didn't really correct it totally. And they have a lot of competitors now. So, but. well, what I want, what I'm, what I want to do is have have my kids have the on tube uh, chocolate in the morning and and actually get a bunch of protein and nutrients and benefits out of it rather than going to school on a sugar high. You know. Oh, good. So, I agree. And then put a, do little mini tubes and put them in their pack lunch so they can suck them down at lunchtime. Oh, that's cute. Well, you're um, full of ideas. Wow. That's, that's, that's coming down the pipe, along with a bunch of other stuff. I'm sure by the next time we speak, I'll have a half a dozen more things on the boil. Well, keep emailing me what's going on, too. Keep me up to date. Yes, so we, so we know to get you on the program again. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're on our email list, right? You've I think got so. The, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, no, I better get on your email list. I, I better add you to it. Yes. Yeah. I think I, I, I'm on your list through the Fancy Food Channel. Yeah, on the menu at onthemenuradio.com. Right. Yeah, I think I've got your email. That's um, it. We don't we don't send out newsletters every week because um I don't know about your inbox, but mine's cluttered with rubbish. So yeah, I know. So I just mine. send out a, every few months when we have something to talk about, like a new product or something. That sounds good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad you had a good trip, and I'm glad you're full of ideas, and it's wonderful talking to you again. And you too, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll wait to hear about the preserved lemons and the chocolate in the tube. And the mustard. And the mustard and everything. Okay, Richard. Ciao, right, ciao. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ciao, ciao. I'm going to send you a, a little gift pack. Okay. <laughs> you're wonderful. <laughs> So thank you, dear. Right. Bye-bye. A pleasure talking to you. you thank too. you. Bye. Bye. Okay. 
So, so now you're prepared to make your food spicier and more interesting in a number of different ways. And anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and anywhere with, with, a, with a tin of little tubes of end un- tube in your pocket. Yes. And uh, yeah, not, not only is the guy a culinary genius, he's a design genius as well. He is indeed. And, and, so, and so much fun to talk to. And uh, we can't wait for him to come back with some more flavors. Yes. And in the meantime, that's all for this week. Until next week, same time, same place. And bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, do, try it again. Bye-bye.